Episode 12 with only me today, Tanika. Mikkel is away today, getting better. It's not feeling well today. Um, so it's just going to be me. Um, so what we're going to be talking about this week is some interesting topics. So we're going to be talking about the recent news that employers will not be allowed to ask immigrant workers about having Canadian work history. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about the new LA mansion tax that took into effect, I believe, either earlier this year or last year, for my Selling Sunset fans who listen to my other podcast, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. And we're also going to be talking about the Timbaland comment heard around the world about Britney Spears' new um, memoir. So we're going to start, as we always do, from the very beginning. So, Ontario is hoping to ban employers from asking for Canadian work experience and relax the provincial immigration eligibility so that international graduates from one-year college programs can qualify for permanent residency. The proposed changes are expected to take effect next year and will be part of legislation the provincial government plant Legislation, legislation the provincial government plans to introduce early next week. So this has probably already been introduced into legislation. So starting December 1st, more than 30 occupational and professional licensing bodies will be prohibited from using Canadian work experience requirements in licensing. A similar ban against employers in job postings and application forms is meant to further remove a crucial employment barrier for newcomers. Officials said helping internationally trained newcomers work in the professions they studied for could increase the province's GDP by as much as $1 billion over the next five years, which is incredible. The ban on Canadian experience requirement, they said, would help more qualified candidates progress in the interview process, which is, again, very true. Like, we have people who are not born here in Ontario or Canada, much less, that have the work experience and can't get the jobs. So why not? Um, allow for them to be able to work here, especially if they're also studying here. It would make the most sense. So Ontario runs its own provincial immigrant nominee program, which allows the province to screen and pick respective permanent residents with the skills in demand, especially in healthcare and skilled trades. It has a quota of 16,500 in 2023. And see, this is interesting too, because 
So as a person who actually worked with a lawyer who did immigration and did immigration from this perspective, um, well, actually not really from this perspective, but did it from the perspective of the employer who was trying to get people um, into their company from other countries. It is a process nonetheless, but it's interesting to me that with some, with some like think like jobs that are in demand, like the healthcare system, which is truly in demand. I mean, not to go too much to my private, private, private life, but I've had to go to the hospital a couple of times now in the last, let's say, couple of years. And for, for the same reason, unfortunately, but I had to do that. And my hospital in our area is horrible. And you could be waiting there for hours and hours and hours. And the problem is, is that the healthcare, the strain on healthcare is so great. So why aren't we looking past people having relevant Canadian work experience and just getting those people that we need, especially in healthcare, to be getting these jobs with or without Canadian work experience? Why did it have to take till now to realize we have a need and here we have immigrants who have the skills, have the education, why not get them to be doing these jobs. I, I, that's the part that's interesting. I'm, I'm happy we're figuring this out. <laughs> there's also still going to be kinks along the way. And I'll talk about it at the end, but like there's still going to be kinks along the way. And I just don't understand why it took so long. <laughs> so the province said it's going to welcome more international students through the nominee program by revising their eligibility requirements so those who finish a one-year college graduate certificate program can also qualify. This is expected to help Ontario retain those international students who already have an undergraduate degree and choose to upgrade their education in Canada. Currently, for example, a student studying nursing in one of these short-term graduate programs wouldn't qualify even if there is a huge demand for nurses in the province, which is ridiculous. The new legislation will also crack down on how regulated professions such as accountants, architects, and geoscientists use third-party companies to access international qualifications to ensure they are done in a fast, transparent, and fair fashion, which is kind of similarly to what I was doing in my previous job. Um, with that lawyer who was kind of, we were the third party trying to, you know, assist on getting people into the country to do jobs through the company. So officials said changes to the provincial immigrant nominee program will take effect in early 2024, but other changes may take a bit longer to allow employers and professional regulators time to comply. So that's kind of that. So again, kind of said it at the end here, 
the problem that I'm having is that yes, we're doing this and it's perfect. It's great. It's what we need, but it is going to take a long time for that. And I do think about the strain on the healthcare system currently with having, you know, with me being, being involved with a hospital that's not doing what it needs to having family members involved in the hospital, um, when it's not doing things a little quicker, what it needs to do. We need those people like yesterday in this province. I'm not sure about anywhere else in Canada, but especially in Ontario, we needed those people yesterday. So hopefully this is something that can be figured out sooner rather than later. And we can, you know, have people who need these jobs just get in the jobs, even if they don't. I just don't understand why it's relevant, I guess, for me too, why it's relevant that Canadian work experience is pertinent for someone to get a job here in this province. Mainly, I'm not sure if other provinces um, have been doing this or if they have caught on and is now doing what Ontario is planning to do but I just don't get it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my thoughts. And that's that one. So next topic, we're going to be talking about the LA mansion tax. So again, for those people who listen to my other podcast, um, a reality podcast, reality TV podcast, um, know that I'm currently covering the Selling Sunset episodes where you would think the biggest villain is going to be one of the characters in the show, which, I mean, they're still living up to what they need to live up to. But no, it's actually this crazy mansion tax that is now in effect. So, I'm not sure if what I'm about to read is going to talk about what happens with this mansion tax in LA, but it's going to talk more about the background and what is what was expected to be happening with this mansion tax. But for those who watch Selling Sunset and for those who listen to my episodes over there, you know that we found out from Little Miss Nicole that the mansion tax is basically something that if you sell your house over a certain amount, a percentage is applied. And there is two tiers to that. Um, so that's basically what happens. And it's an extraordinary amount of money that gets applied to this mansion tax. So I had questions. I, during that episode, was like, well, what is the mansion tax for? Why are people doing it? Who gets taxed? Why does LA think it's okay to do this? Well, this is the information. So Los Angeles, as we all know, is an expensive city where most people are renters. More than half of tenants in the greater LA region are rent burdened, meaning they spend more than a third of their income on housing, leaving less money for savings, healthcare, 
transportation, and other needs. About 36% of renter households in the city pay half their income or more, which is insane. An additional 46,260 LA residents don't even have the advantage of a rental unit they struggle to pay for. They are homeless. If any city needs a financial lifeline to help homeless people get permanent housing and prevent people from losing their housing, it is Los Angeles. So the city got support in measure ULA, which stands for United to House LA. Uh, a 2022 ballot was done to fund affordable housing, rental assistance, and eviction prevention and protection, among other services. The measure, which was approved by 58% of voters, established a real estate transfer tax of 4% on sales of property exceeding $5 million dollars. So there's our percentages and our amounts. And then 5.5% on property sales above $10 million. So for those who are selling Sunset, you kind of got an example of what that could look like. So that's in addition to the already base tax rate on all property transfers of 0.45%. And then the also county tax of 0.11%. So it's a lot of money that is kind of getting dished out. And from my understanding, that is what is going to be going on to the seller of the home. So the tax falls on a tiny percentage of real estate transactions in the city, as we know, but it stands to have a big impact on reducing homelessness and housing insecurity. But ever since it passed, some wealthy property owners have tried to avoid paying it, which is not surprising, <laughs> as we kind of are seeing right now in watching Selling Sunset, currently in season seven, there is a frenzied push to sell high value real estate before the tax even was in effect, which it also went into effect on April 1st of this year. Some property owners have tried to get around the new tax by breaking up their property into less valuable parcels. That's so smart, but so annoying. <laughs> but it's smart. So the Howard Jarvis taxpayers uh, and the real estate group Newcastle Courtyards filed a lawsuit against ULA in state court, arguing variously that it violates the city charter, the state constitution, and the U.S. constitution. Interesting. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Barbara Schiefer, I think is how you say her name, dismissed the lawsuit on October 24th, so just, just about a month ago, which, um, that's why I said interesting, because I'm like, what? Another lawsuit against Measure ULA brought by Newcastle and, again, and the Manny Benabu Family Trust was dismissed in September, so that was prior to this, so get a hint. The plaintiffs plan to appeal. This continuing legal onslaught is unfortunate and flies in the face of what voters clearly said that they wanted, which is true. The main thing here is that it also looks like maybe even though like this is supposed to help, 
the homeless, as well as the more rent-burdened individuals. Doesn't look like that's really happened yet, or we're kind of not seeing that effect yet, but that is the purpose for it. Um, so I hope, because this has always kind of been an issue um, for LA, you know, for those people who have seen Skid Row and, you know, the, the places that are available to them, for example, I don't know if it's been, if it's open currently, but I know the Cecil Hotel, for those who are true crime fans or whatever, you know, the just torrid history with Cecil Hotel, a lot of homeless people, if able, could rent a space in the Cecil Hotel. But I think we can all kind of agree that somewhere like the Cecil Hotel isn't the greatest place to be in, you know? A lot has happened in the Cecil Hotel that, um, besides the eerie and the potential hauntings that happen there, there's been so much death that that has happened besides all of that that is so unexplained. And it's usually this population. So I really feel like if we can find a spot for them that is safe, that they can love and take care of, gets them off the street, that's perfect. And if it's the, you know, the, the, the rich and famous that have to do it, why not? You know what I mean? That's what I think. So for those people who are selling Sunset and are like, ooh, the bad mansion tax, which I'm not, but if you are, just know that this is why. This is this is why it's happened. I'm sure a lot of people already want selling sunset. I have to slowly work my way through it. But I um this is why. So I'm all for it. I hope you are too. Anyway, on to the next topic. So now we're going to be talking about this just comment heard around the world by Tim Bland. I'm going to have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to have a lot of things to say, but we're going to try to keep this as always um, to the facts. I want to go too deep into anyone's personal lives, but there's a lot here that we can talk about from, I haven't read myself, read the book, but I have heard so much about what what has come out from this book that just gives you just a different light on on Britney's life and what she's gone through that I think, unfortunately, a lot of women can relate to. So here we go. Justin Timberlake, as we know, um, has worked very closely with Timberland and Timberland has also worked with Britney herself, which is interesting. He, Mr. Timberland, had a very dismissive thing to say at a recent panel interview that he was a part of. There they talked about Britney and Timberlake and everything that's kind of come out from the book, which is, I'm going to start off right here and say, 
what the fuck can Timberland say to all of this? Was he in bed with Brittany? Was he there when she had to go through what she was going through? Was he involved in an intimate way in their relationship? No, I would think not. So for Timberland to put his two cents into anything is ridiculous to me. This is a clear sign of stay in your lane. And he just didn't. So he says to the interviewer, she's going crazy, right? So a woman who's gone through what she's gone through, and I'm talking about having to go through an abortion, and maybe she didn't want to really do that, but she did it because her significant other said, we're not ready. So you're telling me that a person who is talking about an experience like that, that can be very traumatic, even if you do want it, it can still be traumatic. Like if you want to have the abortion willingly, it can be a traumatic experience. So you're trying to tell me that a woman who has gone through something like that, she's going crazy. The fact that she is now deciding that she doesn't want to stay quiet anymore because she has had to stay quiet for 13 years. It's going crazy. Here is a man telling us that a woman, you know, thing that we hear all the fucking time is going crazy. So he goes on to say, I wanted to call and say, JT, you got to put a muzzle on that girl. Are you kidding me? Listen to me. Justin Timberlake has already put a muzzle on Britney Spears. He's put a muzzle on Janet Jackson in different ways. But this is okay. I don't want to hate Justin Timberlake because I don't hate Justin Timberlake. I very much love Justin Timberlake. But enough is enough of putting muzzles on women because God forbid they'd speak their truth. This is Britney Spears' truth. Her truth is, I fucking loved this man and, and probably still does love him very much. And I had to go through something very traumatic at a very young age, and that was getting an abortion because as we have all heard, and I've heard it myself in in relationships, a man telling you, I'm not ready to um, be a father, or we're not ready, or whatever the hell you want to say. She has been muzzled enough. And now she's saying enough is enough. She's not necessarily saying this to shit on Justin Timberlake. You know, sometimes it's not about the guy. I don't know Britney's motives, but I'm just going to put it out here and say it's probably because she just wants to say it to somebody, understand where she's coming from, understand how she got to where she got to with this conservatorship. This probably kicked off just years of mental anguish that led her up to what she had to deal with, with with this fucking conservatorship. That may be why she's saying what she is saying. 
And it really, truly has nothing to do with Justin Timberlake. Really and truly. So it's so frustrating to see this. And and again, I don't want to go too much into the other situations that we've seen with Justin Timberlake, but I didn't briefly a few seconds ago mention Janet Jackson, but that is another thing is we all wanted to hate on Janet Jackson for Justin Timberlake ripping off her costume and showing and exposing her. Now we all watched it. Hell, I was young, but I, I remember, (laughs) I remember that, that halftime show because I wanted to watch the halftime show as a Janet Jackson fan, wanted to watch the halftime show. I remember it and thinking, (laughs) we all did. We all audibly gasped when that happened, but what we don't remember is, or we do remember, Janet Jackson got a lot of heat, a lot of hate. She wasn't able to attend award shows, but Justin Timberlake could. It's like nothing happened to him, but everything happened to Janet Jackson. And it's, again, just another example of him muzzling somebody. And it's not, I don't know if intentionally, I'm not saying it's intentional, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, So, Timbaland needs to shut the fuck up and stay in his lane. So, as we know, I think a lot of us know, Brittany and Justin dated from 1999 to 2002. God, what a time. Oh, I miss those days. Anyway, um, and Brittany, she ended up opening up about various moments in their relationship and her memoir, including an abortion she underwent in an excerpt originally published by People. Brittany said that the pregnancy was a surprise, even though she always expected to start a family with Justin. But Justin definitely wasn't happy, she says, about the pregnancy. He said that we weren't ready, as I mentioned already. So... Of course, following Tim Milan's comments, Britney fans flooded Twitter. Of course they did. In defense of the superstar slamming the producer for misogyny, which is exactly, exactly true. 100%. He is a misogynistic asshole who did had, you know, it's really, it's really amazing. The power of no comment. If someone was to ask him a question, it's a powerful thing. Because this is not, this is not your place. This has nothing to do with you. What happened in the relationship has nothing to do with you. And guess what? Anything Brittany really truly does say about Justin in this moment isn't going to affect Justin's career. It's not going to do anything to him. It's not. Because guess what? This is something that happened 20 years ago. He was a kid. Brittany was a kid. Really, they were in their early 20s. We're not going to fuck around with their careers at this point for something that happened 20 years ago. For something that I think, unfortunately, a lot of women deal with. It's not right, but it happens. We're just going to understand and say that really is a horrible thing she had to go through um, because of him at the time, 
but that's kind of like I I don't see how this is maybe I'm I'm ignorant but I don't see how this is going to affect us in this career it it just won't it was so long ago maybe if this came out then then yes but they went through such a rocky breakup honestly um that I don't know if if this came out what would have what would have happened but then but I recall their breakup not being great and there was a lot of I don't want to say hatred but animosity and there's so much more that's happened in in that came out in the book um but I don't know if it would have made a difference in his career but we need to stop men need to stop basically telling us as women that we need to sip it and shut up and not affect a man's career or whatever the hell or affect their their um their image you made you you made your best you gotta lie in it that's basically what it comes down to but i don't think at the end of the day i don't think britney is being malicious so one fan actually said karma will get you timberland damn um, and then another one said, how do I put a muzzle on the Timbaland? I think that's also a good question. <laughs> uh, I mean, I respect Timbaland for what he's achieved in his career, but my God, maybe stick to the music. Maybe stick to the music and stay out of people's business. That's what I think. But anyways... That is it for this episode of the Next Take podcast. Usually it's not me doing the outros, but we're going to attempt this. So yeah, if you want to um, contact us, you can contact us by going to, I believe it's mikeltanika at gmail.com. I think that's the order. Um, we also have a website and that is solo.to forward slash next take podcast. We also have our YouTube as well that you can go to, which is uh, next take podcast on YouTube. And it's basically it. The only thing that I'm going to say here is men stop telling us that we have to have a muzzle put on us because God forbid we speak our mind and Ontario, let's do this thing. Let's get immigrants working in sections of the job market that needs it. And LA, go on with your bad self with this with this mansion tax if that is to help people who really do need it. I'm all for it. So that's it for our next take podcast for today. I'm Tanika. And we are out until next week with Mikkel. Mikkel will be back. I hope.